listening to Shut Up and Invest. We are officially live. Another episode of Shut Up and Invest. And you're going to want to tune in to this episode because we have the breakdown of how we were able to do five properties in one deal. And I'm going to expose a brand new possible deal that I just got. And I haven't even told my man, Jay Money, what's going on, boss? <laughs> what's up, Kevin, man? How you doing? Everything's good. So we're going to break down the lead that I just got. Usually we'll brainstorm this stuff off camera, but we're deciding to do it right on here. He has no idea what I'm going to hit him with. No and, idea. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit, and then we're going to talk about the five properties in one deal. Break it down for you guys. So today is a deal breakdown episode, and then we got people already joining us live. Miss Donise saying hi. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? <clears throat> All right. So let's jump right into my lead. And then what well, this I is a fresh is- new lead, right? I don't know anything about this deal. Fresh new lead. So what we'll do is we'll update it over the next couple of weeks to see if it actually turns into a, a good deal or not. I'll tell you yeah. some of the things I've done up until this point. But this came from one of my contacts that I know from back in the day. And her mother passed away years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, if I remember correctly, anywhere between six to eight years ago. Okay. So they have done absolutely nothing as far as probate. There was no will that her mom didn't leave any kind of directions to leave a property or anything like that. They were mm-hmm. not in the position to kind of deal with that after grieving. Um I think the property might have been in some financial issues prior to her mom passing when she was sick anyway. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of say, you know what? There's money owed on that property. It's a headache. It doesn't, you know, they're what the property needed major work, according to her at that time. So she was like, there really is no value there for me to start paying attorneys and figuring that out. Plus of the financial burden after paying for, the uh, the funeral and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's been between six and eight years and they haven't done anything pretty much. Wow. So it's been sitting vacant. They just been kind of waiting well, to see what happens. She says a, a handful of years ago. So anywhere between four to five years ago, squatters moved into the property. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know what squatters is, <laughs> Jay, you want to break down what the lovely issues of squatters is? Squatters is when somebody else claims your property as their own and they begin to live in it yeah, <laughs> to do whatever else they want to do in it. You know, basically their pro that's their house right now. So yeah, they essentially break into the house. Yep. They come literally and go. break in. They come and, and go in the call the water company, call the light bill company. They usually have a fake lease if they're professional squatters. Yeah, those and are cool. they make they forge the information. They look up public records. They say, hey, I'm renting this property. And they literally start living in that property. So for the last she couple had, of years. She had professional squatters. Did they have a lease? Did they put a lease? She, you know what? She's not even bothered wanting to mm-hmm. deal with that. Because in her mind, she's like, this property is a lost cause. And let me ask, was there a mortgage on the property? 
Yeah, there's a mortgage on the property oh, that still goodness. hasn't been foreclosed on. That's one of the things I want to point out. People think that sometimes foreclosures are instant. This has been almost eight years and mm -hmm. nothing has been done. It's been changing hands. Mm -hmm. Different servicing companies and different people have been picking it up over the years. And they still have not foreclosed on this property. Wow. Wow. We, we talked about that. We still see that to this day. People think the process is so quickly rapid fire now, but we still see, you said what, eight years ago? So that's like 2012. I mean, this property probably was foreclosed on in the heart of, you know, a housing crash where we still don't see anything happening with it, you know? Right. And Crazy. I'm gathering the data. So I'll be able to clarify more of this story uh, next week. But uh, there may have been foreclosure proceedings prior to her passing. Mm -hmm. And I think once she passed, they might have stopped. Um, then it switched hands and other institutions took it over. So bringing it up to now, she actually got a call, a cold call from another investment company that was inquiring about this property. Okay. So she called me right away. I didn't even know about this situation. I remember her mom passing and I remember her asking me questions about potentially um, doing something with the mom, but but since she never put it under her name, she never brought it back up, and I hadn't spoken to her in a, over a year, so it just kind of you know fizzled out. I don't even know what was going on. Mm -hmm. So she calls me right away, recently, right now, and she basically says, "Hey, I have this guy. He's saying that he'll pay for my probate. He'll take care of everything." And even giving me give me some walking away money, I gives me the background story, everything I just shared. Mm -hmm. I you know I haven't even thought about this property. I don't even know if this <laughs> legit. So I figure I'd call you because I know you and I trust you to know if this guy's legit, if you know him, or you know if there's anything to be done here. I said, well, I mean, let me take a look into this myself. Yeah, and, and if there is something to do here. Then I'll do it and we'll work something out between us. And at least, you know, you know me and we can partner on this. Yeah. So number one, the power of relationship all over again. Right. And making sure people know what you do. What you do. Yeah, definitely. I also realized something that I need to do a better job of, which is with following up no matter what the situation is on that like hey your mom's passing you're not sure what to do with the property give us some time for grieving obviously mm -hmm. but i should have been following up six months to a year later the max to say hey remember that you know question how to whoa there goes, <laughs> there goes my webcam so let me ask how, you a question so when the mom passed initially did you guys talk at all about the house, like what her plan was with the house, or is this something that no, never was talked about? No, she probably brought it up to me maybe about a year or two ago. For the first time. Yeah. Okay. So long story short, she so now I called my one of my probate attorneys and I basically ran the scenario by him. So here's the tough part. So here are the challenges, right? This is what you guys, when you tune in next week, we'll have more updates for you. The company the lending company does not want to give us any information until the probate is done mm. Mm. so wow. pay off. yeah pay off anything 
No, they're like, hey, listen, until the probate is done, there's nothing we can do right now. So we got that issue. Mm-hmm. Issue number two is I got squatters. The squatters are still there? So I don't know what the condition of the property is. Mm-hmm. So here's another <laughs> problem, right? And what we've talked about a thousand times in this show, we got a problem solve to make yeah. deals happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Most people will say, ah, okay, whatever. Let me walk away from this. This sounds too complicated. And I'm not saying that I'll walk away. I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm just doing my research and making sure that I know fully what the deal is. So what I'm thinking, I'd have to pay for the probate myself, Mm -hmm. which I spoke to my, I got a couple options. If I don't want to partner with one of my attorney contacts and bring them in on the deal, because their area of expertise is that portion Mm -hmm. of it, right? If I want to pay for one of my probate attorneys to just do their thing, initially, this is the first couple quotes I've gotten, just to kind of position myself to be appointed, authorized to inquire so that they know the process has started and I'm the representative or whatnot. Or I can even put the daughter as a representative since I'm working hand in hand with her. That's going to run about 1500 in attorney fees and 500 in court, you know, legal processing paperwork or whatever. Stuff like that, yeah. So $2,000. Two without knowing anything. <laughs> right? The second part of it. Um, if it does turn into a deal, like let's say they give us the payoff amount and we can to finish the process out, we'll probably be like another 3000 So, the total probate ballpark is between four to five thousand, depending mm-hmm. on which attorney I go with. I got a couple more in my network that I need to speak on uh, about this that I might be able to get that at a better price. Or I have the one or two attorneys that I have a really good relationship with to see if they're interested in partnering mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. so that I don't have to put the upfront money on it. And then get past that part to see if it's even a deal. So that's like phase one. Let me ask you, the, the bank not releasing information until the probate's done, that's not normal, right? Is that normal? Yeah, it's lender by lender, right? Okay. There is, there's sometimes banks that will definitely tell you the information. Some of them have automated systems. We tried through the automated system, but this one was already flagged and it said, no, you got to talk to a representative. And yeah, I had... I had my title company who Mm -hmm. negotiates the short sales for me reach out to them and try to get it. And they were like, "Uh uh-uh. No. Probate needs to happen first. Because, you know, right now, I mean, there's probably, I mean, there's got to be back payments as far as principal and interest, plus taxes, plus insurance, the escrow. So she got a letter. The last letter she got was. $386,000 in total payoff, which we don't know how much of that is fees and late payments and attorney fees like you just described. Um, That was 2019 when she got that letter. The property is probably worth about 400. Okay. So that's not room for anything there. I can't work with that number. 
Yeah, you already know at, the, at this point it has to be some kind of short sell for it to make sense. Right, which or means... Re- is there a possibility to reinstate it and do a sub two? That's another... That's an, In that paper, the paper they sent her was either, either a deed in lieu, which means a voluntary foreclosure, mm-hmm. or uh, a payoff, which is the 386 amount that they were putting on there. Um, we don't know what the condition of the property, which is what I was saying is phase two of the problem. Mm-hmm. Since they're squatters, I can't go in there and see, but then the bank can't also go in there and see either. So we would have to get them evicted, which would probably be another $700 and change. We got a question here. Let me, uh, Joe Richie's asking when we partner like that, do we give a percentage or a cash amount? That's a very good question. So if I bring an attorney to handle that portion out and I partner with them, or if you partner with a contractor, or if you partner with a money guy, there is no rules. Yeah, there's no rules. I mean, I know times where I've partnered with people where it's a flat fee. Let's say you do a JV deal. Hey, you know, then the profit is a certain amount. Well, hey, you need to pay me an assignment partnership fee as a JV, right? If it's a property you're going to hold on to, you might structure a fee where you pay them up front plus some equity where they have a percentage of the house per month of the cash flow. So, you know, or if you're doing a flip, a percentage of the flip after the rehab's done. So, yeah, there's no there's no set base standard for that. It's whatever you can, whatever you can negotiate. <clears throat> right. Exactly. All right. So what else is part of this problem? So I would have to potentially have costs or bring on a partner to deal with the probate stuff. I'm leaning more towards partnering because if it turns out not to be a deal, we both put a little sweat equity in it and call it a day. Yep. Um, Yep. The 386 number payoff doesn't work if the property is worth 400. But again, um, we don't know what the condition of the property is. So once, if we do get the squatters out, which will probably cost me another 700 bucks to get them evicted, that's mm-hmm. probably going to take, well, right now, we got to wait till like September with the Corona situation. We're doing eviction right now, yeah. So once we get them out, then um, that'll be another 700 bucks to pony up and get it out. There we can't partner with nobody. And I have to probably, maybe the attorney writes the first letter or whatever, but eventually you got to pay the court fees. Mm-hmm. It's going to be minimum 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm obviously thinking the condition of the property is going to be, you know, no good. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been what, eight years? I mean, of neglect, of squatting. Yeah, I mean, the squatters aren't in there doing repairs. Mm. <laughs> so, it's nah. probably in pretty bad shape. Exactly. So um, it's a gamble if I can find the right, you know, team to to do this with. I don't mind spending a couple hundred dollars then see because what they're going to do is once let's say we start the probate stuff, we start negotiating with the bank. We got to get the squatters out of there. They'll have to send somebody to go appraise the property Mm. and see what condition the property is. And based off the appraisal lately here in the South Florida area, I've been seeing short sales be anywhere between that 90% range of what the appraisal is, the as is appraisal. Yeah. So it would benefit me for the property to be in really bad condition. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely would. So that if it's knocked down, (laughs) yeah, 
if it's you know uh 200 grand now we got a two hundred thousand dollars spread to work with call it 70 and rehab 80 and rehab maybe a hundred depending on the size of the house you still got equity in there to, to to make moves and you said that the last time she got a letter from the bank was last year 2019 uh right okay exactly does so we got another good question here by Pharrell Rose. Would equity happen after eight years? Yeah, 100%. So that means when this drama happened, which is the reason why they didn't do anything, because mm -hmm. it was worth less back then, and the, the, the property might have been upside down, or they probably owed you know, very close to what it was worth, hence why she didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's kind yeah, of where that 2012 to today, I mean, the market's gone up a lot. 2012 was pretty much the grind bottom where it started to take an uptick, right? So, I mean, 2012 to today is a very, very big gain in equity and appreciation, you know, especially in this market. So, okay. but you got all the past due of, you know, outstanding payments on it that is probably eating away from the equity that there was. <clears throat> right. The good thing is a lot of that most of the time can be negotiated away. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So it really, really depends how bad that property, that condition is, which in this case, I actually want it to be pretty bad. Oh, horrible condition. <laughs> we want that thing to be horrible. You exactly. Know? When can we see it? Uh, so <laughs> imagine if the, so this is going to be a slow play because if I can't get the squatters out till September because of the Corona delays of eviction, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to hurry up and yeah. figure anything out. Because at the end of the day, can't do anything anyway. I can't do anything anyway until they get out. Yeah. So that's the latest and greatest. We'll follow this up over the next couple months and uh, see where we're at with this deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what we can do with this one. I mean, I, I love these kind of deals. You know, the kind of deals that are difficult that you know the majority of people are going to just walk away from it. You know, you you know, these turn out be, being the biggest returns on your, you know, return deals that you get. So I'm all about let's go figure this thing out. Knock it yes, down. Sir. Speaking of nice deals, let's break down the Fiverr. So we got a, We just closed the deal uh, from uh, my PA market um, where we literally got five homes from one seller that were all owned by one bank. Well, actually, I found out there was two banks involved. Another bank had one property, and then the one bank had four. So um, you know, we were able to pick these houses up. And this is what I'm saying. The banks are in a lot more trouble than people think, right, especially the smaller banks. Um, the large banks are good, you know, but you know how it is. There's the large banks and there's the small banks that are struggling just to make it, right? So, you know, this small bank, this seller was out of state seller, and he had a loan pretty much. He was tax default, so it was a tax default list. And I got a PowerPoint I'll bring up to kind of go over all this stuff in a second. But basically, he needed to get out the properties. They were all owned by the bank, and we were able to negotiate, you know, a price with him, and then take that price to the bank for basically to do a short sale on the deal. So we were able to short sell this deal. And what I'll do is I'm gonna go over the three properties. So there's five properties. Two of them we wholesaled off. The other three, we actually bought with private money, and then we sold them on seller financing, right? And now we're holding the note. So we literally, we literally took properties from the bank to become our own bank, <laughs> because you know the bank didn't know what to do with them. They basically gave them to us for a fire sale price, and now we we went out and redid loans on them, um, you know, in the community. So we're becoming a bank on it. So I'll just share this PowerPoint real quick, Kevin. So we can kind of go over the details on it. So when you how'd you get this lead in the first place? A text lead. This came from a text campaign. It was right. a uh, tax default. 
tax default text campaign. So that's guys, one of our main. If you want to know how we text, it's in our free training that is now officially launching next week. Go to shutupandinvest.com, click on the tips, tricks, and tools, sign up for it, and you will be receiving an email next week that will give you all the details. We have a free training that shows exactly what the text messages and the systems use to be able to pick up a deal just like this. Definitely. Can you see that now on the screen, Kevin? Yes, sir. Got it. Yeah. So this was a text. This was a text lead, right? So through Batch, uh, one of our tax default lists that Batch gives us. So, so the tax default, meaning they haven't paid their taxes. Yep, they're behind their in property taxes. taxes uh, X amount of years, or specifically, or just in general. This is just in general. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do any years on it. So um, Batch actually has in a new platform. They have a couple of filters that sh- that show up. Some are tax default, vacant, tire landlord that are already kind of built in there. So the tax default is just they're, they're behind on taxes at any given point. So there's no um, filter for the years on it. And we just text that list. I mean, you can literally go in there and text that list from wherever county, state you want to be, and you're going to find deals in that list, right? So we sit on a text campaign. This guy had five properties. Our total price with closing costs and everything for all five was one seventy eight six eighty four, right? So that's, got- the, that's the price you agreed with the seller who owned all five properties. So we agreed to the, we agreed with the seller for um, it was like one sixty, and then that's the cost with um, assignment fees and um, closing costs involved. That's the cost right there. <clears throat> so and that's the total price for all five. We're going to break down three of them, all right? Because two of them we wholesale. But so we're going to break down three of them. So the three of them, which two of them were four units, right? One was a four unit with the barbershop in it. The barbershop was active. It was being rented out right now. The um, the other four unit had four empty units, right? Needed some work to it. But and then the other house was a single family home that was moving condition. So again, we bought these for private money. And so right now I'm going to show you the private money. You know, our private money um, all in on the three was 144593 And then our private money terms were 11% interest, 15-year term. So we're paying, you know, about $1,650 per month on our private money for the three that we sort of financed out. Okay. And then we sold for on total. This is just the total terms. We sold three of them on sort of financing for a total of $240,000 with $25,000 down at 10% interest. And then... The, the the term the term the term is kind of a, a hybrid term. The two multi units are on a ten year a ten year term, and then the one single family house we sold on twenty year term. But our total buyer's payment to us per month is two thousand six forty five eighteen. Right. So just on the big picture, we made twenty five thousand dollars at close because our private money is one hundred percent, and then we're cash flowing about a thousand dollars per month, a little over a thousand dollars per month on that deal right now. Um, you know, I'll break down each deal, but even better, we took $25,000 that we made from those down payments and paid off another one of our deals that we have private money with that we sold in sort of financing. So, you know, even, even bigger than the fact that the deal we got, we actually paid off one of our deals that's now free and clear. Right. So this is the game that you play. So let's kind of slow it down a little bit yep. where you might be saying, wait a minute, you're borrowing the money at 15 years at 11% interest rate. Why would then you turn around and sell it at a 10% interest rate to your buyer? Because aren't you losing money if you're paying 11% to your lender, but then your buyer's paying you 10%? I'm only losing money if I'm selling at a lower price, right? So I'm not, and I mean, even that could be, you know, tweaked. But remember, you know, my total finance is 144,593. 
and we're selling them as is, not touching them for two hundred forty thousand dollars. Okay, right. so minus the twenty five thousand. Minus twenty five thousand down. Correct. Yep. Right. So yep. the total number essentially in this case is two fifteen uh, at ten percent interest. So two of them were at ten years. So they got to pay it in a lower, I mean, a, a smaller amount of time. Yep. You have 15 years to pay your loan back. These people got to pay you in 10 years. And yep. the other one is at 20 years. So you're cash flowing a thousand. And then the important part that you put there is you took the 25,000 profit right up the beginning and you went and created more cash flow by paying off another deal in the portfolio that had a payoff that matched that. So you could pay that off. And now that deal is a hundred percent cash flow. Exactly. That deal is cash flowing about six hundred bucks a month, free and clear now. Right. Yep. And that's a deal that we bought in February that we were able to. And again, these we're not wholesaling anything. These are you know these are deals that we're buying. You know, we're showing you how we're using private money. You know, we had Dave Day a few episodes come on, show us you know talk to us about raising private money. We're showing you how we're using private money to go take deals down, then be the bank and sell them on seller financing, and still get an assignment fee, the twenty five thousand dollars down payment. Right, still get cash flow, and then use that money to create more cash flow from your previous deals. Yeah, and that's we all got a, with, the, with the power of private money. We got a couple of questions. We got Molin asking us, "Do we put cash in reserves for default if they don't pay?" Yeah, I mean, we definitely like to have um, a reserve. You know, we have an account that's set aside as just a reserve account because if they don't pay, we want to be able to take care of that. So yes, yes, don't go out there. Get a bunch of private money and have nothing there for a rainy day. You definitely yeah. want to have that. I, I, we, and from a conservative standpoint, if you want nothing to worry about, you've heard us talk about it a thousand times. But I like six months per property because if you got six months per property, that'll usually fix an AC, a furnace, a mm. missed payment. If you got to paint it, anything kind of like that, that's what I kind of like to put away for each property that gives me peace of mind. Remember, and, uh, talking about rental too, because these aren't rentals, so these are seller finance notes. So there's gonna be some less expenses. But if you have to foreclose on them, right? You foreclose on them, you might have to do some of those repairs to sell it again. Correct. It's the same mindset. If you're the bank, just like Jay said, you don't have to do any of those repairs unless you foreclose. Yep. Then you gotta cover the missed payments and also potentially put some money in there. So there's, hey, listen, there's Z. There is no zero risk in business. No, there's not. If you start <laughs> any business, even if you buy a McDonald's franchise, yeah, sure, McDonald's is a proven model, but location, customer service, make sure it doesn't burn down, make sure it doesn't get robbed. I mean, there's so much risk in business, period. And real estate investing, there's always going to be risk as well, but it's about mitigating the risk. Yes, and definitely. making decisions where the risk is a lot less than other situations, like getting caught on a property that's tight and the market is coming down and you were trying to flip it and only make 20 grand. Now the prices go down. That's a lot riskier than being the bank on that deal and keeping yeah, it. Definitely. Because when we, you know, we'll break down each deal individually, you'll see how the price that we bought it in. Is really, really covering our risk a lot, right? Because worst case scenario, we got these properties for such a great deal. You know, I mean, we're getting four units for 58 grand 
<laughs> you know, so like if we have to fix up and rent out ourselves, we'll be fine, right? If we have to fire sell it, we'll be fine. If I need to sell the note on these, we can talk about selling the note. I can sell the note on these today because of the spread in the note and our in buyer too. So it's all about covering your risk so it's the least riskiest investment possible. Yeah. We got another question by Marquise Boyd. Are you guys open to doing a session on short sales? We actually have an episode on our YouTube channel and also on the podcast with the short sale queen where we go heavy into short sales. That was last year. That was like our first, one of the second that. episode ever, wasn't it? She was our first guest. I yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That was it. The first handful of episodes. So <laughs> you can go back and check that out. But yeah, we're definitely, um, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on any kind of new short sale situations. Um, we'll do another episode where we break down some more short sale deals and keep you updated on the ones we're working with. But definitely yeah. check out that episode because it really gets into details of the actual short sale process. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Molin asked uh, cash for keys cash with for the keys. emojis. So <laughs> that's probably referring to my situation where you got squatters. Yes, nine out of 10 times, that's the first strategy. And what that means is instead of going and trying to evict them and spending that money and wasting that time it's really more about the time you try to go and offer them you know a couple hundred bucks maybe a thousand sometimes even a couple thousand dollars if it's worth it depending on how much profit if you're trying to flip it and buy and you have a buyer that's really waiting to get in it fast depending on how much money you're making you Mm -hmm. might offer them a nice little chunk of change to move away the situation with this one which which is why it's going to be tougher is that everybody knows right now that no matter what, you're good till September. Yeah. Yeah. So You've never dealt with that of money that I would have to offer them. And I don't have a buyer right now ready to go lined up to pay me $25,000 or $10,000 because we haven't even gone through probate. So mm-hmm. since this is going to be a slow process, the cash for key strategy is going to be tough. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you don't even know what the, you don't even know what your payoff is. You don't have a lot of information yet to even be able to negotiate cash for keys, right? You don't want to give cash for keys and find out the property is not even be worth a good deal. So that's kind of you want to hold off on that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see here, Mary Nell. When explaining the benefits to the seller to sellers to be the bank, other than not having to be a landlord and getting monthly cash flow. What are some of the other ways you can explain the benefits to sellers? The number one way is talk to them about their taxes, right? If they sell it to you for cash, and I'm assuming you're talking about when we approach a seller to sell a financing deal to us, correct? So correct. if Kevin if Kevin's selling me a deal he owns free and clear and he wants $100,000, if I give him $100,000 cash, that's a huge tax bill he has to pay right there, right? If he seller finances that to me at $100,000 over, let's say, 10 years, he's deferring those taxes. So- the number one thing that I usually say is the tax benefits because you're going to walk away with more money at the end, you know? So the tax benefits are huge. Yep. 100%. We got Joe asking us, how long did that take to put a short sale, a short deal together? Man, this one was, this one was super, super easy. Um, you know, seller, it, it probably took us longer to get through all the houses than it did to get the short sale together. Right. We got through the houses. That probably took a few weeks. And then me and the seller negotiated. He wanted 200 grand. Off the off the rip, you know, I offered him one fifty. 
after he agreed to the 150, it was more of us getting information to the bank, right? The bank wanted to see, and there wasn't any BPOs involved, um, which is like broker prices paying. The bank just wanted to figure out what was the outstanding debt the seller had that they had to cover. Because again, the seller was behind on taxes in every house. He was behind on water bills in every house. So he probably had about you know 20 grand in liens on each property that the bank was gonna have to eat. <laughs> so that was a long process was getting stuff from the city because of course the cities are all backed up now too in a lot of places because of coronavirus. But probably took us 30 days to get the deal closed. As soon as, as, soon as the bank was ready to go, we closed the next week. Right. And some of these take forever. Some of them yeah, this months. was a quick one. Yeah, this was a quick one. I used to hate short sales back in back in the day when I was selling REOs. I hated short sales because it would take you three, four, five months just to get the bank to agree to a price, right? So just to figure out if they would take your offer or not, it took that long. That's one of the reasons why I kind of stepped away from them. They've kind of rapid fired the process, depending on the bank you use. A lot of banks, it's a pretty fast process now, but there are banks still to this day that would take a long time. This was a smaller bank. So I think a smaller bank, I kind of got to the person that we needed to get to right away. And honestly, my title company did all that for us. Our title company, I never talked to the bank once. My title company communicated with the bank the whole process. Yeah. And it really does depend on the bank that you're working with, how much crap they have on their desk, essentially, yeah. and how fast they can get to your file. Yep, definitely. That's pretty much it. Um, out, of the, out of the five, how many of them had to be short sold? All five. All five. They, they did it. They, I mean, we have five separate closings, but each one of them was under, under what he owed. And it was all with the same bank? Uh, one property was with a different bank. To, well, no, they were all with the same bank. One property was owned by a different entity, but they were all with the same bank. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is all from one bank. If this was multiple banks, it would have been a little bit more difficult, but this was all from one bank. Yeah. So I'll kind of break down the numbers on the, the three that we did too, just now, real quick to just kind of show you. What about the two that. that you wholesaled? What are the numbers on that? So uh, that's, that's interesting. So the ones that we wholesale, we made. So one of them was a dog. You know, you know, you get five properties. One of them was a dog. It had squatters. It had foundation issues. So I was just trying to break even on that one. Um, we probably lost a thousand bucks on that one. So we got a wholesale fee on one of them for eight grand, and then we lost money about three, four grand on the other one. We actually lost four grand on the other one because our, our total wholesale fee between those two was like thirty nine hundred bucks, right? That we made. I mean, but that's that was just the cherry on the top, right? The whole same buyer bought both of them. No, two different buyers bought the two that we wholesale. Yeah. So in total of the five, we had four buyers. And the buyer that was not a the the property that was not a good one had to go part of the deal. You couldn't leave that one out. Had to take it. Yep. Yep. You know sometimes, that happened. <laughs> sometimes, you, sometimes you gotta take the, yep. the the not so good looking situation to be able to take the rest of them. Yeah, you know, that had to happen. So, <laughs> but we sold it. I mean, we, we were happy we got rid of it. That was my main, my main, uh, my main okay. worry was getting rid of it. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to hold that property at all. That property was a dog. <clears throat> so, you see right here, two of the three properties were four units, right? And we sold both of them with the same exact term. So, we were asking $90,000 with 10000 down, 10% interest, 10 year term, and the PI was 1057.21, right? So, Again, we got both two units for about $58,000 a piece and chain, and then we sold them for $90,000 as is with $10,000 down. Um, you know, our P&I is $662.13, but our, um, 
our end buyer's P&I is 1057 So, you know, we made 10000 per four unit that closed, plus for cash flow on 395 a month, you know? And now zero money. Again, this, these are as is. So these are as is deals where there's no money out of our pocket. And we sold a uh, four unit that had a barbershop in it and a four unit that was sitting vague local investor. You know, so now those two properties are going to be fixed up you know, by somebody locally where the banks went loan these properties. I mean, the banks actually gave them away to us. That's how much they didn't want to loan on them. You know, we were able to go in there and step up and, uh, and do these deals for somebody. Yeah. And this is the beautiful part where people in, in the way we set up these creative financing deals, they have a tough time understanding that you can get cash flow and you can get paid up front. So it's like time. what everybody loves about wholesale, which is the upfront money. And what everybody loves about rental portfolios and being a landlord is cash flow. Nobody really likes dealing with the landlord headaches. They just like the cash flow. <laughs> exactly. exactly. This is the beautiful way to do both. Yep. Best of both worlds, man. We always say that's the best of both worlds, you know. Um, the third property, man, this property was a moving condition single family house. Like, I mean, literally moved in. Um, condition. We actually sold it on Seller Finance to, to a lady who's bought another house from us before. She bought it and she's going to have her daughter live in it, right? So, I mean, that's, that's what's so amazing by this. This lady was able to buy this house from us on Seller Financing with $5,000 down. The price was $60,000. And then now she's going to move her daughter in there. Her daughter's going to actually rent it, you know, or lease it from her. <clears throat> so, on this one, you can see this is the one that had a 20 year term because we sold this for 10% interest, 20 year term. And their payment to us is five thirty seventy six a month, right? The taxes and insurance is about another one fifty, you know, one sixty. But still, that house will rent for about eight hundred bucks because we always talk about make sure that all in PITI payment is lower than rent, and you're not gonna have any kind of you know issue finding buyers for this, right? right. So on this one, we made five thousand at close, and we're gonna cash flow two nineteen forty five a month off of one house, and we had a twenty year term on this one too with our end buyer. So. All, all in for them is going to be probably like $680 a month. Correct. Yep. She can, since it's her daughter, whether her daughter, you know, rents it for the same amount or for 800 bucks and she makes a little money on it. And every, and it's, and the point you're making is if it ever goes wrong, she can easily get another renter in there without a problem. So yep. you not getting paid is not a difficult situation. And worst case scenario, if you have to take back the property, finding another buyer and doing this all over again is the quick solution. And hopefully the property is not in a bad, you know, banged up where you got to take some time to rehab it. But even if you got to put new paint and clean it back up, you'll get it back out on the market and do another deal just like that. Definitely. You know, and it's the price we're buying it at. You know, we're buying it at a price that's, you know, 50, 55% of the market right now, where that if we have to do it all over again, you know, we're, we're still in a good spot. Right. Now, some people might say, can I do this in California? Can I do this in New York? Can I do this in Miami? Can I do this in Chicago? Or is this more of a smaller market strategy? No, you can do whatever you want. I mean, the numbers are different, of course, right? But we all know. You know, our buddy Pace is doing this in Arizona and their numbers aren't California numbers, but they're definitely, you know, their average prices are probably about 250, 300 grand. Right. We know we know people in Miami doing it. <laughs> South Florida doing it all the time. Right. I mean, the numbers are different, you know, but the, the deals are still there. There might be less deals that make sense there. You might structure a different way. You know, 
I think a lot more in those markets, you do a lot more subject to type deals because there's less free and clear owned properties. But if you can find private money and buy a distressed property below market value, you then can do whatever you want to do with it. I think most people try to think that it has to be a rental when actually this is just a different skill. If you learn the skill, you can do the same exact thing. Yeah. Which you're getting, you could structure it a lease option of buy with terms that they need to fix anything on the property. That's, you know, not, yeah. that's not your responsibility. They got to put a big down payment. There's many different ways to kind of structure this depending on what your state um, real estate rules and laws are as far as title and recording, which is what you want to talk with your real estate attorneys and maybe talk and get a couple different opinions like we've talked about many times on this show. Because sometimes you'll speak to a real estate attorney that's very conservative. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you get one that's really well versed in creative financing, subject to deals. And if not, reach out to us. We got a couple nationwide contacts that can do title work all over the uh, United States that are familiar with creative financing. No, that's a great point because all, all attorneys aren't the same. Attorneys specialize in, you know, just like we say how realtors or anybody else specializes. So, you know, find the right attorney that does some creative deals. I always say, you know, find the investors in your market who you know are doing deals, creative deals, and just ask them who their attorney is. They, they won't mind sharing it with you, you know, and, and ask them who their attorney is, ask them who their title company is, because you know if it's being done for them that somebody else can do it for you. Yeah. Hey, Pharrell Rose is asking if this video is going to be on Shut Up and Invest in the YouTube site. The answer is yes. What we have noticed is we do lives every Wednesday at one o'clock unless we're traveling. Um, and it takes about 24 hours for YouTube to process the live and then it'll appear. So by tomorrow, you guys should see this mm. episode on YouTube. And then we rip the audio. We have our audio engineers do their thing on it. And then we release it on the rest of the podcast channels. So that usually takes about a week or two before you guys see it. Rest mm -hmm. of the podcast channels. But uh, take this video. Do us a favor. Share it on YouTube. Comment on YouTube. Like it on YouTube. Show us some love. And uh, that way we could keep the, the lights on and uh, producing the show for you guys. Anything else, Jay, before we let everybody go? I think Farrell was just asking about South Carolina. Um, you can definitely do this in South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina, you know, North Carolina, all those markets have good, you know, cash flow deals still. So you can definitely, I know people in South Carolina right now who are doing a lot of seller financing deals. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you can do it everywhere. It's just about knowing the knowledge. That's it. And if you guys have deals that you're not sure if it can be done and you want our team to take a look at it, and uh, we are definitely looking at deals all over the nation. Um, so we can definitely help you out on that. Go to shutupandinvest.com. Sign up for the free training that's being released in the next week. You're mm -hmm. also going to get information on how to submit the information on deals you want our team to take a look at. And either myself or Jay will definitely walk you through the deal. Or sometimes you might get the best of both worlds. <laughs> On a lucky day. On a lucky day. <laughs> On so a lucky day. Was, yeah, that just in slow motion, too. I mean, again, make sure you're following the group. That free trains, we're, we're about to wrap it up. We're about to be coming out here very, very soon. Um, I'd like to say within like next week, probably. But me and Kevin got a few more things to do as far as the site. 
Um, you know, and then we also have a mentorship that we're going to be rolling out here too that focuses on this kind of stuff, right? We, we're going to focus on seller financing, creative, be your own bank deals. Um, you know, because everybody else talks about this is what we do. So we're going to be focusing on that. Yeah. All right, guys. Here's another episode of Shut Up and Invest in the Can. Tune in next week, Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Go to shutupandinvest.com, and we'll see you soon. All right. Shut Up and Invest. <clears throat> Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join our community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest. <laughs>